Hello and welcome to a special edition, a special Monday, Memorial Day Monday edition of the In the Money Players podcast. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornatal, back with you in the Brooklyn bunker once again. One of three special shows we have for this Monday, this one covering Santa Anita. We have three grade one races out there, and we've also got a mandatory payout in the pick six. And now I'm not sure about online. We're getting pretty late to be able to sign up online. But certainly if you're live at Santa Anita, you can play in their Gold Cup Challenge as well. $1,500 contest with uh, seats to the NHC and the Pegasus Contest and cash as well. You're going to want to check that out if you're a contest player who's going to be attending Santa Anita Day. There would be no reason not to participate in that. And, and check your ADW. Maybe there's a chance you can still uh, get in there via Express Bet. But I do know they close early. Early bird gets the worm. It's one of the reasons why we've been hammering that so much on these airwaves for to get people to sign up. But anyway, we're going to go over these last seven races on the card, the mandatory pick six as well as the other grade one. And to do that with me, I bring in an old friend, a man who uh, was once my editor, worked for a long time at the place that we now affectionately refer to as the place with the letters. But he's done a lot more than that in terms of being an author, an accomplished horse player, and most recently, a regular contributor to InTheMoneyPodcast.com. He is Dean Kepler. Dean, what's going on, my man? Pete, good to talk to you again. Happy Memorial Day weekend, and I uh, hope you're doing well. You've been fairly crushing it with the picks on the blog, at least the days I've been uh, paying attention, which is most of them. How has it felt to get back to doing public handicapping after a couple of years break from it? It's good. You know, I really do uh, enjoy it. And, you know, you know, mainly the, the main thing is it really does help um, focusing on your handicapping. You know, if you're playing to sit there and go through the card and, you know, write out the analysis, it's uh, really been a big asset for me anyway. Um, it certainly helps. Yeah, for sure. I like that point. Organizing thoughts. On, and I think, you know, we we can all get a little lazy sometimes, a little loose with bets. But when you sit down and write a whole analysis, it does help sharpen the mind and, and keep you on point. Uh, hopefully we'll be on point throughout the course of this broadcast. We kick on with race number four, the Santa Anita Gold Cup. We're going a mile and a quarter on the dirt. Just a field of five attracted here, Dean. On paper, it looks a bit like a match between number two, Royal Ship, and number five, Stiletto Boy. Did you end up with one of those, or did you go in a different direction? Yeah, Pete, I thought this, you know, for a field of five, I just thought it was an interesting uh, jockey's race uh, tactically, because, um, you know, the five, uh, Stiletto Boy showed showed a new uh, newfound speed last time that you know, if you look at your handicap that race, at least off his last couple lines uh, recently, you didn't think he'd be taking the lead. And he just shot to the lead there and took it to him with Hernandez. And, you know, he posted his lifetime best uh, speed figure there. So going into this race, you would think, you know, uh, are they going to use those tactics again and, you know, try to take it to this field here? Uh, you know, but I think inside of him, Defunded 2 also has a lot of speed. So I think tactically, you know, like I said, although it's a fielder five, it's uh, kind of kind of makes it very interesting to see how this is going to play out from a you know from a jockey standpoint. I agree. It's undeniable. You know, just looking at the paper, that Stiletto Boy, the best runs have come when they've just gone ahead and sent. Will those be the tactics today, or is the presence of Defunded going to stop that from happening? How did you end up landing? How did you see it? What are your numbers for this one? You know, I, I like to have something creative here, but I, I'm just going with the two two chalks, the two royal ship, and the five Stiletto Boy. I, I was really I was really impressed impressed with Stiletto Boy's effort last time, and I think he's uh, you know he's going to be tough here if he gets the front. He's the kind of horse that doesn't like. Uh, 
other horses passing him. So I think if he could clear from the outside, you know, I think uh, there's a good chance to repeat there. I don't disagree. Part of me wanted to be a hero and try to separate them and just go with Royal Ship, hoping that Cedillo and Defunded were going to take on Stiletto Burry early. But it's also quite possible they'll get cute and let him go and try to flop outside and stalk and maybe give Stiletto Boy too much rope. So I will try to separate them a little in that I'll have Royal Ship, who I do think is the clear best finisher, who will benefit if they do hook up on the A-line, and I'll pop Stiletto Boy on the B-line. Sounds very similar to how you're approaching it. Uh, In my notes, I'm going to list you as playing the two and the five equally. Does that sound right? Yes. All right. With that, we'll talk about the race that kicks off this uh, mandatory payout pick six. It's race number five, the grade one Shoemaker Mile. We're going one mile, obviously, on the turf. Uh, Once again, just a field of six in this one. And there's an angle that listeners are going to be very familiar with, and I'm just going to take a wild guess. You're going to hear this on JK's analysis of this sequence, which is actually going to be available for free to anyone who subscribes to our newsletter. So if you're not already subscribed, in themoneypodcast.com slash email, you get the free newsletter. With that, you get um, basically one place where you can go and see all of the content that we put out on the In The Money Media Network in one place. We also have some original content on there, things like this uh, JK free exclusive look. And I think when he talks about the Shoemaker Mile, and talks about smooth like straight specifically, he's going to say the problem last time was that smooth like straight didn't go fast enough, didn't take enough advantage of his early speed, thus allowing closers to be uh, closer and have more of a shot at him as they turned into the lane. I think smooth like straight has the speed to properly clear and really put the sword to this field, trying to get them off the bridle halfway through the turn and uh, therefore giving him a tactical advantage. I think it's as simple as that. I think smooth like straight is the fastest horse with a pace advantage. I'm not going to get too cute. Very curious to see if you think it's as simple as smooth like straight in the shoemaker, Dean. Yeah, Pete, I I can't disagree with anything you say there. I think he's going to really take it to this field. I, I like the fact that, you know, Pratt heads back east, I mean, back west um, to ride this horse, um, as well as, you know, a few other real live mounts this afternoon. But, you know, I think that's a tactic that like, this horse likes best. He loves Santa Anita. And, I you know, it's if you want to, you know, get a little bit interesting as far as trying to beat that horse, the obvious one, of course, is, uh, you know, count again with Iride Ortiz. Shipping West as well would fill the model. Um, but I, I just think that that horse will probably have too much to do late. Um, you know, he's a stone closer in a race where I think the, you know, the file will just be gone here. Um, you know, and uh, I really, you know, can't come up with anything else. You know, Phil D'Amato is the kind of guy, uh, you know, I hate to hate to throw him off on tickets. He always seems to blow up tickets of mine, you know, especially too. He's got the one master of Foxhounds with Hernandez who won a slew of stake races over the last couple of days. I think it was like five or six. So he's been red hot too, you know, but that's really stretching it too. He's got some tactical speed from the rail, but I, you know, I think it all goes through the five here. With D'Amato having three runners in the race, you could make an argument that we're going to see team tactics and, and it's not, it wouldn't necessarily be at the expense of, of a master, master of foxhounds in that, you know, perhaps you could argue his best chance is to go to the lead. He's not really a horse that, um, you know, has has done a fantastic job rating in previous starts. But I just think even if they do that, it might play into smooth like straight's hands as long as Pratt doesn't get too cute. Maybe that's the extra pace that makes him go more uh, 
use more of that speedy weapon early. So for both of us, we're just going to use the five. We probably spent too much time talking about a four to five shot. But I do think, like the first race, because of the tactics, it does get a little interesting. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Wonder too, if that's, you know, that's the reason why the four is in here, that that's Homo. Is he, is he going to just, you know, really try to take it to the five? Um, you know, as a rabbit in this race and set it up for, you know, you know one of the other runners. So. It, it's possible. I mean, the horse doesn't exactly scream that he belongs on form. But then again, you have a chance. I mean, there's a lot of money at, at stake here, and it's a grade one race with only six horses. So you can't blame them for taking a shot on their on their merits. I just think in terms of the only one, to me, the one is the only one who could even keep up with the uh, smooth like straight early if they, if they are going to use any kind of team tactics in this spot. We'll see how it plays out in race number five. Race number six is a maiden claimer at the $50,000 level for three and up. Calbred fillies and mares going six and a half on the dirt and dean i'll throw the ball right back in your court for this one what do you like yeah p you know it starts you know with the three who's now making start number 10 but um you know as far as uh looking at buyer pars for this level he's run really well he's his last race where he's beaten favorite second by a half a length the race before that second so he's a logical fit for those you know playing the uh rainbow pick six you got to start there and throw him on the ticket but you know, there's a couple others in here I like, too. I liked how the six ran last time. Um, showed some good speed. Was kind of in a bad spot in between horses and was only beaten less than two lengths there. Miss Bailey. So uh, that filly would be another I would throw on the ticket. And then, you know, there's the five as well going uh, first off the claim for Steve Knapp, who's got some pretty good stats there. So I think this is, you know, a little bit of a spread race for me. I'm not convinced. Um, and then there's also Cal outside, uh, number nine, uh, who's making his first start for Stanford, who has some really good numbers with first-time uh, starters. I think probably 22 23%, which is pretty solid. And there's some good workout information on the nine Cal. So for me, this is a bit of a spread. I don't think it just runs through the three horse here. I agree with you completely. I was going to talk about three of the four that you did, and you make a good point about the five for Nap off the claim as well. I put Cal on top just based on that Stanford success that you referenced, average uh, success rate for a first time out, first time out for a sire, probably 10%. Stanford, as you point out, more than double that. I didn't have any clocker info, but I just noticed it was a very solid looking work tab as well. So I went in that direction. The six mix Miss Bailey was worth commenting on. I thought moved into a hot pace off the bench, looks to have a chance to be the best speed here. Second time off the layoff. And as you mentioned, the three Warren's queen B very obvious on form and figures, the, the only clever thing I had regarding her was that I also thought it was notable that she uplined looking at her pace line last time, got was running her fastest late in the race, which you don't too often see on the dirt. And that, to me, indicated that today's distance a bit farther um, might be very much to her liking. I just don't trust her as a nine-start maiden with interesting alternatives. So I'm going to play nine, six, and three pretty darn equally in race number um, – which race is this? This is race number six – which brings us directly to race number seven, where we've got three and up Philly and Mare, Maiden Claimers, but at a $100,000 level, going one mile on the turf, field of eight going postward in this one. I thought that number four, Exit Soul, just looked to get an absolutely great trip. I think she's got the right blend of speed and stamina, where she can get a forward sit and is enough finish to hold off 
the deeper closers. I really like Exit Soul in this spot. The two Isola Mia is stablemate of the top pick, and I think deserves another look. Maybe got a bit lit up by that bump at the start last time and then went uh, inefficiently fast early. So I think she's a flow move up coming out of that. And McCarthy taking blinkers off, maybe that's an indication she's going to be coming from farther back. Maybe she can do better with those type of tactics. And the eight sunny morning does look the clear best finisher and the one to benefit if they do go too fast. So I had the four exit soul as an A with the two Isla Mia and the eight sunny morning as my backups. What do you think, my friend? Yeah, Pete, I can't argue with any of those three there. They're, you know, they'll be on my ticket as well. Um, I guess the other one maybe to perhaps mention is number one, Roxbury with Phil, Phil D'Amato coming off the extended layoff there. Uh, that jockey trainer combo, uh, Gonzalez, have, they do really well on those you know type of layoff horses. Gets first-time Lasix. And like I said, Phil D'Amato, I just, it's just one of those guys that's just hard for me to throw off those, you know, throw off a ticket. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But um, I can't disagree. I, you know, the, the two I like as well. The four, uh, you make some great, great points on him too. He's also adding blinkers, you know, as showing speed last time, making uh, second car off the mini freshening. And, and then the eight, uh, I thought, I think I believe is my top choice on the, on the, you know, on the website with Patty Gallagher. I think he'll, he'll, he'll be tough to, to beat as well. Would you, how could you grade those four numbers into mains and backups, the eight, one, two, and four, or would you look to use them all, all equally? I would say, you know, my main ticket would probably be the, the same, the two, four, and eight, and then maybe the one as a, you know, as a B. Okay, sounds good. Eight, two, four, with the one as a B for Dean. Let's move on to race number eight. You made a reference earlier to buyer pars, and I think they come into play here in this uh, maiden special weight for three-year-olds and up going six furlongs because the buyer par is 84. But I'm wondering if that accounts for the fact that we're so early in the year. Well, not that early in the year. I guess it's late May. We're halfway through the year. But we're still the, – the, the three-year-olds who often comprise these races are only going to get faster as the year goes on. So I'm wondering if that buyer par is like a little bit quick for this level. In other words, if you don't necessarily have to get an 84 to win at this level – at this time of the year that lends me to think that there's two runners in here who haven't run the par, but I still think are worthy of consideration. I'm going to get to my clever one first, and then I'll talk about the obvious one. I think that the two chaos reigns has a couple of angles in this. When you look at the numbers that he was running back in uh, the, the, the winter of 21 you can build in i think plenty of figure improvement for age assuming he's trained on something that would not surprise me at all with his pedigree and then you've got sort of a form angle as well you might call it look at some of the horses that he was competing against dream shake stakes winner following c multiple grade one plays the stakes winner defunded we'll talk about him later on in a grade one stake I just think Chaos Reigns might be a little bit better than this bear form suggests. And then you throw in the fact that the Ellis Barn is in scorching form, uh, 5 of 14, at the current meeting. I think this horse could get completely overlooked and is a very interesting one for your pick sixes. And then there's the six um, famous star who's sort of the more obvious one of the ones who've run for Sadler. You know, I have nothing clever um, as far as famous star goes, but does seem like one that I'm going to want to include, especially if I'm right that it's not going to take the par necessarily to win this race. And then in terms of the firsters, I was going to use the one and the five 
as backups, just I don't know anything about them. I have no special knowledge, but just looking at pedigree and workout, recall and reload the one and the five showtime both look worthy of consideration. Don't want to get knocked out by either one of those. How do you see race number eight? You know, Pete, this, this, this race was really, really a head scratcher for me. Um, you know, playing pick fours and pick fives, it would probably be as simple as just using all, you know, all six on my ticket here. Um, you know, the famous star race was, you know, it was excellent last time. You know, he really had some separation. Uh, you know, he really, he, you know, he ran into a really nice horse and special ride. But once you get past him, you know, I can really make uh, a solid excuse, you know, for a lot of these in here, um, which, you know, you made some great points on the two Caius Reigns. The one, obviously, you know, um, it's got Pratt, Pratt riding from McCarthy from the rail. So, you know, he's sending, he's got some solid work tabs there. I also... You know, I believe my top pick um, on the site was, you know, the three still on the books for, you know, Doug O'Neill and Redham Racing. I like that horse a little bit. So, like I said, if, you know, if you get past the six here, probably the six will be singled on a lot of tickets. But, you know, I really think there's an, ex- you know, an excuse that or reason why you can, uh, you know, talk yourself into any one of these runners here. So you might play some combinations with it all. Sounds like maybe pressing the three, six, and one as A's and using the rest of them as as backups. Yeah, I do. You know, and, you know this kind of race too. You know, I, I sometimes and you know I see it time and time again. I get sucked into these first time starters that look you know training well, and then you know when it comes down to it, it's the horses with the experience that you know <laughs> seem to you know fill out the exact and the trifecta, and it's that simple. So. You know, as much as the, you know, the one looks great. I like the three, uh, you know, uh, as well. And, you know, like you said, the five is by Into Mischief, you know, who's great with first-time starters. And then, then you begin to wonder whether, you know, you know, the end result is going to be the horses that have already ran, um, you know, filling out the, like I said, the, the top three spots. So I've seen that happen, you know, more times than I, you know, care to talk about. No doubt about it. Oh, the other reason I thought why the par might be high for this race is you'd have to think almost, you know, all of the maiden special weights that are run, um, you know, that that this par is being computed from have more than six runners. So just the fact that it's six runners alone, probably you can take that par down a couple of points. And, and, and yeah, then I think that runners like the two and, and the, the, the six start to look a little bit stronger. Okay, let's uh, let's move this forward to a race that that you, you talked about. The last being a bit of a head scratcher. This one made me a bit nuts, but I looked at it enough. This is why I was late for the call, Dean. I kept going back to this race to see. I don't I don't want to. I didn't want to come on here and say use five runners equally. So <laughs> so let's talk about this allowance race going six and a half on the downhill turf course. Eventually, I came up with a pick. I felt like there was enough speed. That you know, maybe this sets up for a closer, and maybe number five, Adair, is the one that I want to press on in here. That was just a very strange trip last time. Didn't break well in a race that got wired. Sort of ran up into a jackpot subsequently. Didn't really appear to be overly tasked to to run thereafter. This is a runner. He fits off the race two back. And I could tell you a story that he's the best finisher in a race where I think a lot of these others need to be on or near the lead to do their best running. I could tell you stories about basically every horse in the race. In the end, I ended up with uh, backing up with the two, six, seven, and eight, who I had trouble separating. 
and and I thought all of whom had the chance to to trip out and get things done in this downhill race. But I'm going to put the five Adair right on top as my lone A in this race. In reality, it'll probably be more like I play I play all five of them equally on a ticket, and I have a small press ticket with with Adair. I mean, it's a it's a speculative play to be sure. But I thought it was a little bit interesting at ten to one on the morning line. Who did you come up with in this one? Yeah, hey, Pete, you know, if you can get that five home, I think you'll you'll get some uh, great separation um, as far as those playing the pick six for sure. I don't think he's going to be on a lot of tickets. Yeah, this is, you know, another tough race, um, you know, with eight, eight, you know, eight horses. But, it, you know, it just came up very tough. And for me, you know, I, I kind of going to really key on the six and seven and mainly because, you know, both adding blinkers today and there very well could be a – a hotly contested pace with the two signed on and you might be right about the five, but I just like the fact that they both came out of, you know, it's going back a couple months, that March 5th race, which turned out to be a really key race with five next out winners coming out of that race. And I, I'm just, you know, I'm going to put all my cards in on you know those two that they're going to run back well here. Yeah, both got excellent trainers. Uh, good jockeys, adding blinkers. They got tactical speed. They're drawn outside. And I, I just, I'm going all in on the key race angle here on the six and seven. Somewhere, Steve Davidowitz, our, our late uh, pal and colleague, is smiling with you busting out the key race angle. And, and you're absolutely right about it. I mean, that is good form that those horses come out of. And, and if they can work out, uh, whichever one works out the best trip is going to be very, very dangerous. So, yeah, you're, make, you're making me actually consider rejiggering a little and going five, six, seven as A's and leaving the two and the eight in as B's. I'm going to go ahead and make that change in my notes that we send around to the uh, ITM Plus subscribers. How about you? Are you just going to be uh, stone six and seven or do you want any backup lines in here? Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think I'm just going to go six, seven here when it comes down to it. I, mean, I can make, you know, um, some decent scenarios where I can see a couple others in here. But then, you know, I just think – when you start adding up your tickets, it just gets too expensive. And, you, you know, you got to have some kind of a, you know, you got to cut the line somewhere here. You know, I think. Got to take a stand. Yep. Yeah. You know, you can make number race two, you know, make the third side off the layoff. His buyers are going in the, you know, in the right direction. He's got an excellent trainer. He's drawn outside, you know, but, um, you know, he's a, a logical horse to use on a ticket, but I, mean, I think I'm just going to stand with the six and seven here. All right, the six and the seven, sort of looking sideways at the eight and 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 maybe letting that be the last elimination. Let's talk about uh, the pay leg, grade one pay leg. I love that. Uh, three and up Phillies and Mares going a mile and an eighth on the turf in the game lay with a field of eight heading postward. Dean, how are we going to get paid? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the obvious choice here is, you know, going global uh, with Pratt. Um, he had a nice, nice prep last time. Uh, you know, he's five for five on the Santa Anita turf course, three for three for the distance. Uh, I think, you know, the, the unknown factor in here, um, I think lands with, you know, the number three ocean road. Uh, and I'm sure you probably went back and watched this race as I did. I mean, oh, yeah. it's just an excellent prep in that one uh, X allowance race over at Keeneland. I mean, he was way back there uh, behind slow fractions and still was able to nail him at the wire, which was, you know, a really, really nice race uh, when you think about it. Whether he's ready or not to uh, tactically, you know, tactically be able to handle this this kind of class class rise today, you know, he was he was in the you know Breeders' Cup last year at Delmore, so you know uh, he was long odds there. But they had some high hopes for this horse, you know, before shipping over. So 
you know, and Brendan Walsh has done really well um, as of late too, shipping around. Uh, so, you know, I think that's the horse I'm a little concerned about in here, but I think, you know, going global appears to be coming into the race in uh, top form here as he's ever been as, you know, as she's been as a Philly. Uh, but, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned about the three here. Uh, and then obviously, you know, the one going to Vegas with Irod Ortiz, uh, the other, um, Phil, you know, Phil the model uh, runner here, uh, besides the six, who, you know, certainly fits on class as well. We see it exactly the same. Nothing, you're, you're not getting anything too creative from us in here. Um, going global uh, definitely has the best form and figures. Pratt in the irons, good trip expected. But I, I don't want to get um, stuffed into a locker if the three Ocean Road wins. And I'll probably throw in going to Vegas on a backup line as well. Um, and not just being a homer for our friends at the Medallion Racing there either. I think uh, going to Vegas is going to get a, a terrific trip drawn down in the inside, third race off the layoff, just rock-solid form. Just doesn't seem like one that I want to get beat by, especially if I get one, one of those longer prices in along the way. So I think we're pretty similar. Though maybe you, you sounded a little bit more like the six and the three on the A line and the one on the on the B line. Is, does that reflect your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I just, like I said, I, I just from, you know, a guy that watches races, I just, you know, that, that left. It was awesome. Yeah, it, it, you know, it really was. Whether, you know, um, whether she can, you know, ship out here across country and, um, like I said, step up to this level and produce a similar, similar effort and, and, you know, get a decent, decent trip out of here remains to be seen. But, um, you know, it's, I, you know, I'd hate to have that one, uh, Win and pay ten or eleven or twelve dollars and, and not have it on my my picks. She quickened. She quickened too well to leave off. And as I look at it more, I saw I was originally thinking of just having it with going global as an as an A and the one and the three as Bs. But the more I look at it, so and and my original sort of knee jerk, well, Ocean Road should be a B idea, came from the fact that the figure wasn't that fast. But how fast can the figure be when they go that exactly. slow early? And look how she quickened in. I, I'm going to go ahead. I think I have enough prices later in the sequence that I can get away going six and three on the A-line with the one just as a backup. Now, that's, you know, it's tricky to have in your ticket construction on a lot of days. It's tricky to, to have that much um, tied up in the top two choices in a race like this, especially when the, then I'm only backing up with the third choice. This isn't really a leg where I'm looking to build equity. It's a leg where I'm hoping I can cash out the equity I've earned throughout the sequence. You know, if if given my opinion in this race, it's not a race I'll be looking to then like come back and play doubles into or whatever. I'll just look at the win board as for betting this race individually. I'll look at the, look at the win market and see if there's anything to top up with. I, I can't say that I'm giving you anything too clever, but that, that's how I see it. And uh, Dean and I agree uh, very much throughout this sequence, which in the history of these shows, Dean has been a good thing. I have to say, okay. you know, some, sometimes you know, I would be shocked if one of these other Phillies and mares were to win this race that we, you know, that we're in this, uh, that we didn't mention. If it, anything, anything worth calling out, or you're just saying generally speaking, I just it looks generally, too easy. I, you know, I would be, I would be surprised if you know, if there was someone else that jumped up. Gotcha. Race. Yeah, we should be able to, we should be able to lock it up with the runners we have there. All right, Dean. Well, this is great stuff. We really appreciate all your contributions on the website over at inthemoneypodcast.com. You're also on Twitter. Where can folks follow you there? Yeah, at Kep's Corner on Twitter. Yep. 
Love it. At Kemp's Corner, definitely worth the follow in the moneypodcast.com. You can check out more from Dean there. And with that, we're going to close it out. We'll thank the sponsors for this special show, uh, Santa Anita. They've been such great partners throughout their meet. And hopefully we're going to keep things rocking and rolling with them. And uh, we'll be more having more Santa Anita content, more Golden Hour content as uh, as time goes on as well. Always like to highlight those races. Any day that Santa Anita and Golden Gate are both running, you have an opportunity to play play those bets that link those last four races, including later today with Golden Gate having a holiday Monday card as well. Very horse player friendly terms with the slightly higher minimums and the 12% takeout. Make sure to check that out. The Golden Hour Pick 4 and the Golden Hour Double. We'll thank our founding partners, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation and 10 Strike Racing. Most of all, though, I want to thank all of you for listening, making these shows so much fun to do. Help us out, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and do the same over on our YouTube channel. Lots of extra content coming out over there as well. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. <laughs>